The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Today is World Car Free Day. Actually, I'm not sure many people would have noticed the bad weather. It always gets people back behind the wheel of their car. Keith Gavin is with me from the Irish Parking Association. Uh, Keith, are you a, a celebrant of World Car Free Day? Good evening, Kieran. Uh, I think you can uh, fairly readily deduce that I'm not. No, I, I think it's just another uh, stunt, really, and, and part of the demonization of the private car user. And I think anyone who uh, got up this morning and looked out the window would have thanked God that they had their car at their disposal, uh, rather than having to rely on our very poor public transport network. Okay. Well, Saif O'Neill is with me as well, lecturer in climate policy and politics at DCU School of Law and Government. Saif, uh, is Keith right? Is it a stunt? I don't think so. Uh, This initiative has been around since the early 2000s and it's even been adopted by the United Nations Environment Programme and the WHO. So it started out as as an idea just to encourage motorists to leave their cars at home for one day just to get a sense of how public spaces would be transformed um, without cars. Um, But the reality is, I think in Dublin, it's almost easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of the car. The car is still dominating and despite all the talk of active transport, travel and investments in public transport. The car still dominates the city. It takes up an awful lot of space, both in terms of road space and in terms of the priority given to uh, individual vehicles on our streets. And, uh, you know, we don't see really the road space being reallocated in any kind of transformative way, at least not yet. And until we do that, um, cars dominate. And when cars dominate, we have noise pollution, we have air pollution, we have severance, we have economic impact impacts due to congestion. One study estimated that if things don't change, Dublin will experience congestion costs of up to three billion uh, by 2030. And that's just a staggering amount of money. And that's wasted money. It's uh, people sitting in cars going nowhere, sitting in their private chariots, taking up space that could be used by everybody to do business and live their lives. Okay, Keith, what about that? I mean, fewer people in cars would lead to reduced noise pollution, air pollution and less congestion, which would save businesses money. Okay, um, well, I'd just like to, uh, first of all, refute the, the term people sitting in their private chariots. I mean, these are, these are cars. These are private cars. They're not, like, demonising the, the motorist is not really a, a solution. Providing better public transport, public transport that can work for the city centre is what needs to be done. But the, 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 the point I really want to make, and I, I would like Sive maybe to answer this for me because nobody else has answered it for me. In the last 10 to 12 years, we've reduced private car use in the city centre by 40%. Yet the congestion problem is worse. Why is that? Well, I'm not an expert on on traffic management, but I suspect that it's a a, a complicated mixture of increased numbers of buses, uh, changes in traffic routes and timing of lights and things like that. Various things can lead to congestion, but there's no doubt about it. If we want to make our city more livable, we have to shift norms. So I I hear what you're saying about demonising drivers, and I I don't really intend it to offend anyone. The idea is really to kind of think differently, that we, we take it for granted that we have this private vehicle at our disposal for us to get from A to B. And I'm challenging that idea. I think for a livable city, for climate action to get to net zero, we cannot just replace all vehicles with electric vehicles. We have to get cars 
off the roads and get people into shared vehicles, whether that be, you know, kind of Uber type taxi arrangements and shared ownership or else uh, public transport and active travel. And anybody who's travelled in Europe and who's spent any time at all in cities like Vienna, Utrecht, uh, even Paris, um, can testify to how wonderful it is to be in those cities. They're more accessible for everybody, for children, for older people, even people with disabilities do better when you have more resources and road space given over to active travel and public transport. Uh, uh, Keith, is there not an undeniable logic to the argument that if the population is going to increase and the road space in city centres is not going to change, then we need to change how we use that road space? Kieran, 100%. I mean, we would totally agree and be fully supportive of a better public transport network that allows people to make the choice to switch from having to use their private car. But what do you tell the person who is commuting from outside the city centre from places like Mullingar, Carlo, wherever in the country, who have no alternative but to use their private car because the public transport options are not available to them. Can I just come in there though? Because most journeys, most journeys, according to the census data, are actually less than two kilometres. So, you know, your point is well made about people coming further distances and the lack of public transport connections between kind of commuter towns in Dublin. That is a real issue. I've experienced it myself. But the reality is most of the congestion is caused by local trips. And these are trips that are replaceable and substitutable. But in order for the public transport system to work, for it to be efficient and reliable, you need to give it dedicated road space. And that's what's holding up Bus Connect and that's what's holding up the cycle network. But may I interrupt there, uh, Saif? Yeah, that's fine. And, and, and you want to reallocate the road space, which was done in, uh, for the Lewis um, network. But what we really need in, in Dublin city centre is an underground. Everybody knows that. That's been the case for the last 30 to 40 years. Build a better public transport network and people will use it. You're citing cities like Paris, Utrecht, Vienna, wherever. They have good public transport networks. We don't. So people are not sitting in their car in congestion for an hour and longer for the good of their health. And again, I will say to you that car traffic in Dublin has reduced by 40% since 2012. Yet, it's more difficult to get around the city. It's almost impossible because measures have been introduced to actually actively deter the private car from coming in there. And the results of that are really negative economic consequences Mm. with more boarded up units, more empty retail units than ever before. It suits hospitality. It suits pubs and restaurants. And if you want a large scale temple bar as your city centre, good enough but it's not good for business and the economy of the city centre. Saif, on on the two broad points Keith made there, and the first one, which was, uh, I suppose, if you build it, they will come. You know, if the public transport system was there, we wouldn't be having the conversation. Everyone would be using it. Yes, absolutely. But the, the extra point is that you have to reallocate road space. So that is going to make things more difficult for uh, private car owners. Not if you um, go underground. No, no uh, that's just not feasible before 2030. In fact, uh, Professor Brian Caulfield wrote an interesting piece in this week's Irish Times about what we have to do with the transport system to 2030. And he makes the point that by 2030, it's rolling out bus connects is our best bet 
that for uh, solving our congestion problems and achieving the climate target, which is a a 50% emission reduction in the transport sector. And he makes the point that none of the big infrastructure problem uh, uh, um, developments are going to come on stream until after 2030, Metrolink and the rest, even if they're on schedule. So so bus connects, bus connects is the solution and reallocating road space so that you have dedicated bus lanes and dedicated cycle lanes. These are workable solutions. They succeed in other cities and that's exactly what you're in favour of, you say, in terms of giving people the excellent public transport system. But it means making hard choices and it means taking cars off the street. You're changing your argument at every time and I'm more, more than familiar with Brian Caulfield's work and Brian Caulfield would say that. But you're changing your argument every time. We've been told that we're going to have a fleet of a million EVs by 2030. You, your argument now is to reduce emissions. So if your EVs are going to do what they're supposed to do, you'll reach that target. But now it's about, no, we don't want cars at all. We get them off the road. We build more bus lanes. We build more bicycle lanes. That's what you've been doing for the last few years. And the traffic congestion in the city centre has only deteriorated as a result. Is, is there an argument, Keith, that there's a period of pain that we have to go through as a society where, where that Keith, reallocation how, is happening? How long do you want that period of pain to be? I mean, this, this has been going on since... Until Bus late, Connects was up and running. No, but it's been going on since the late 90s. We talked about uh, the Port Tunnel. We talked about the Lewis. We did all of this stuff. We, we built an overground public tra- light rail public transport system system in the city centre for a for a what we want to call a first class, world class city. That's not the solution. But like here we are twenty five years later when it could have been built and paid for and we're still having this argument. And a period of pain, we've had a period of pain. We've had nothing but pain for the last for as long as I've been driving around Dublin city centre. Nothing but pain. Well, you know, people are voting with their feet and with their bicycles and there is a huge modal shift taking place. No, more, more not, not today now there's not. A drop of rain, Saif, and everyone gets true. behind the car. Yes, unfortunately, that, that is a factor and my own bus uh, journey was delayed today as well. But the reality is that putting more cars into the city doesn't solve congestion, it just makes it worse. So but everything we do, everything we do, Public, public policy wise. No, we haven't. We're talking in yes, terms of have. trips. No, we're talking the in terms of trips and congestion. The of cars you have to use. You have to use. Keith, I tell you what, let's make this point and then I will go back to you, I promise. You have to use the right metrics. You have to think in terms of emissions. You have to think in terms of severance. You have to think in terms of congestion costs. You have to think in terms of the health impacts of not having good quality uh, air and also people not getting enough exercise, walking, um, and and cycling. So the the model of the world you're talking about, Keith, I'm sorry, it belongs to the 1950s. Bad choices were made. Cars have been allowed to dominate Dublin and our other cities across Ireland. And the effects are negative. There are some individual benefits, but the effects for the cities and towns have been negative. They have destroyed our urban environment. And if we want to make our cities livable, we have to get cars out Keith, final point to you. What we have done for the last 25 years is destroying our city centre. Businesses are suffering. uh, Retail vacancies are increasing. And all you have to do is look at what's going on in Dublin city centre at the moment and tell me that it's been uh, an improvement economically. 
Keith Gavin from the Irish Parking Association and Saif O'Neill, lecturer in climate policy and politics at DCU's School of Law and Government. Thank you both very much for joining me. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.